The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And speaking of rock and roll, Zach Myers from Shinedown is here today. Fozzie toured with Shinedown a few years ago on the Uproar Tour. Probably one of the most fun tours we've ever done. And Zach was my partner in crime as we had many a nights of uh, drunken and undrunken debauchery. Just good, good times on the road. Stuff that you do after the show is done. Uh, Fozzie hit it off great with the Shinedown guys, and Zach and I are going to share some of the craziest stories from that tour. Stealing golf carts, posing as police officers, the big cop stash bash, we threw it at the end of the tour, and the mini-movie that we shot called Hunt for the Dude Bros. Yes. Uh, Shinedown are also supporting Iron Maiden on the European dates of the Book of Souls tour, 2017. Zach is pretty fired up about that, and why wouldn't he be? It's Iron Maiden. He'll explain how it all happened. Seems a little bit of a strange bedfellows, Shine Down and, uh, and Iron Maiden, but it's a good mix. Shine Down can rock. We've seen it with our own two eyes. Uh, and the UK tour of Shine Down Maiden starts April 22nd in Belgium, uh, UK and Europe, obviously, and wraps up May 28th at the O2 in London. Huge, huge gig. You can see all the dates and get tickets at ironmaiden.com. If there's any tickets left, Shine Down Iron Maiden, hot, hot ticket. So, rock and roll stories with Zach Myers coming up, my old friend. But first, one question for all the Talk is Jericho fans out there. Why haven't you, that's right, you, taken advantage of Diamond Dallas Page's Hall of Fame sale on DDP Yoga, man? Come on, 30% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all DDPY-related merch. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. This is a deal. That's how much Dallas wants you to get on the program and start living your healthiest life possible. I am living proof of that. You guys have heard me talk about what DDP Yoga has done for me, and you're really going to hear it when the new Foz the album comes out later this year, probably in September. You're going to hear it next month when the single comes out and when you come to see Fozzie live. You're here at my singing because singing comes from the core and DDP Yoga has helped strengthen my core. Okay, we've seen the year I've had the WWE as well. That's thanks in part to DDP Yoga helping me stay in shape in the best shape of my life, 46 years old. Uh, feel better now than I did when I was 36 and a big part of that is DDP Yoga. I do DDP Yoga everywhere and anywhere. I just open up the app and get to work wherever I am backstage at a venue in my hotel room. The app makes it so easy. 
and it's got a whole new set of workouts on it, so you'll never get bored. The app's also got tips for healthy eating and recipes to keep you on target. It's everything you need to get on that path to healthy living and to stay on it, man. And right now, like I said, you can get 30% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all related merch at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. This is a deal for you. That's how much Dallas wants you to get on the program and start living your healthiest life possible. You guys have heard me talk about what DDP Yoga has done for me, and you're going to hear it when the new Fozzie record comes out, like I said. Uh, so much to talk about. Uh, the, the app can give you healthy uh, eating, tips for healthy eating, recipes to keep you on target, everything you need to get on that path and stay on it. Once again, ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. The DDP Yoga Now app. It's the Hall of Fame sale. 30% off all hats, t-shirts, yoga mats, heart monitors, and so much more. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. It's the biggest sale ever on the DDPY program, so take advantage of it and get to the path on the path to healthier living at the same time. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life today. Get in the best physical and mental shape you've ever been in and do it now. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho will help take you there. I mentioned going to be on the road with Fozzie in May for the Judas Rising Tour. All of the dates and tickets and uh, VIP information is up at fozzyrock.com. We start May 5th at the Lunatic Luau in Virginia Beach, Virginia. May 6th is the Revival in Canton, Georgia. May 7th, Carolina Rebellion in Charlotte. May 9th is the Concourse in Knoxville. May 10th, Trixie's Louisville. The Rave in Milwaukee on May 11th with All That Remains. King, Sons of Texas, and Fozzie on the Judas Rising Tour. A lot of dates, probably 25 in all, including Download, Milton Keynes in the UK. Go to FozzieRock.com to check it out. And also, if you want to be a part of Chris Jericho live in Belfast and Dublin, you better hurry and get your tickets now. That's Ticketmaster.ie. Uh, uh, and you better go check it out now because uh, June 7th at Mandela Hall in Belfast is almost sold out. And June 8th in Vicker Street is also almost sold out. Belfast and uh, Dublin. The words of Jericho. Listen in, man. It's going to be a great time just uh, talking shop, talking about all of my uh, time over the last few years. And it's going to be a live Talk is Jericho taping in Ireland. Get your tickets now. There's literally uh, only a few left, and that's not a, a shill or anything like that. I think we're almost 90% capacity, so there's only 10% of those tickets left for uh, Belfast, June 7th, Dublin, June 8th. Uh, go check that out now. Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, by popular demand, finally... Zach Myers from Shine Down here, and uh, I'm at your house, you beautiful are. place. Thank and of you. course, I turn on my recorder, and the thing screws up right off the bat. It's a and sign it's, that we're not supposed to ever do this. <laughs> but it, but that's not true though, because the other sign was as soon as I got in the car to come over here, I turn on the radio, and the rock station in Memphis is playing Diamond Eyes. Which is great because we don't have like we don't have like a modern rock station here in Memphis, in the home of rock and roll. Yeah, right. So it's kind of weird, but. Uh, um. Yeah, ninety eight one's always been really great supporters. Rock one three two. We have two rock stations here, but they're more kind of centered around classic rock. But they always take care of us, which is kind of nice. It's, is it harder now going across the country? Is is uh, it seems like there's less and less rock stations uh, around the, around the United States? Yeah, there is, and I I would like to think that I think in my in my brain I think that maybe we got in on the tail end of it to where maybe we got embedded into people's brains while there still was rock stations. Cause we built 
shine down on rock radio mm-hmm. i meant nothing we weren't mtv darlings we weren't vh1 darlings you know we didn't get our music videos played on places we weren't on the cover of rolling stone you know even with all the the success that we had you know sales wise we weren't like no one was like beating down the door to like talk to us except for rock radio so we built this whole thing on that and it was kind of nice to that we got in on this when you know at, at a point where those stations were still around and it was a big deal and it wasn't, you know, premium choice where maybe a guy was picking mm-hmm. songs for all the, all the radio formats. So right. I, hopefully I, I think that's what it is. I hope that's what it because is. Because I think, I think you're right about that because even when we'll talk about the, the great tour we had four years ago now, which is nuts, but on the uproar tour, shine down headlined. And it was very much based on the radio play that you guys were getting yeah, and drawing some, some pretty big crowds too. Like if you're talking about a legit arena rock band, I think of five finger, I think of avenged, I think of slipknot, I think of shinedown and that could be the, it right now. Thank you. I, we, me and uh, you met Kent, a bunch of our merch guy and mm-hmm. uh, he was out with kiss when you came to Vegas. Right. And yeah, yeah. So um, me and Kent talk about that all the time. We, we look at these festival lineups that we're on and we're going, what about when Sabbath is done? What about when Maiden's done? What about when you know all these things happen? Like he's like you guys. It's what we said basically. You guys, Five Finger, Avenged, Disturbed, Disturbed. Right? You know, he's like that's those are the headlining bands, and it's like it's great to be including in that included in that list. But at the same time, you're like that sucks. Like mm-hmm. there, we, you know, I want there to be more bands but going back to what we said about rock radio it's like people have to go out and find this music now and it may be a little harder than it was previously to do so so you know i just want i don't know i feel like as soon as you feel like rock and roll is coming back you kind of get kicked a little bit and you're like i don't know top 40 still people go see these shows and it blows your mind do you feel that like i think you kind of came in like you mentioned right under the wire like 2007 2008 right before the big switch in the business right yeah i think so we always say we we always look at the bands that came out in like 90, anywhere before 99, and we're like, that was the time to make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. We're like, you could retire now if you wanted. Like, So we got in like the after the make a ton of money, <laughs> the, after the everyone in the band has $40 million, and in between the there's no more rock radio. So we got in, at least we got one of them. So, you know, we, we, we got in with the support of rock radio and Brent is just one of those guys that made it his, his personal business to be friends with these program directors and not just kiss their ass, but actually be friends with them and, and know their kids names and know their birthdays and call them and, and, and really be appreciative of, of them playing shine down. And that's what I tell bands now even though there's less rock radio and that's something we know we've, you and I have talked about before. It's like, just don't say no mm-hmm. to anything. Mm-hmm. If someone from any radio station asks you to do anything, if it's five thirty in the morning, you had to play a gig the night before at midnight, you go do whatever right. they ask to do. Cause let, let's, I mean, the, the, okay. So Chicago, let's say, or you mentioned Memphis or New York or LA, no rock radio stations. But if you're going to the smaller towns, you know, you're going to a Madison, Wisconsin or a little rock, Arkansas, yeah. there's, there's radio stations in those towns. Absolutely. Boise, Fort Wayne, these, right. these stations who I can, I know off the top of my head, like the bear and all these people who, support bands and you see what's great about those stations is you see those those kind of right on the cusp bands those van bands with trailers Mm -hmm. who go in and they can play a show in fort wayne or boise or little rock or wherever and and sell it out because Mm -hmm. these stations play their music and and the fans feel so connected to it so you know you gotta that's that's one of those things you just don't say no to these people you go in and you do it because you want people to hear your band and and i think the way we grew it and the way you grew it with fozzy as well is 
you 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 don't take no for an answer a and you do everything that anyone asks you to do because you do care about people hearing your band you're not going to be snobbish about it and say well we we did this last time we were here mm-hmm. you know even even this day and age with shinedown we still go do those things because it's important we still do radio meet and greets every single show even when most bands you know i don't know what what our stature is uh, in the music industry but most bands at that at place will stop doing like radio meet and greets and just do their fan club but we do it for radio because that's we know who put the food on the table in the first mm-hmm. place you know so we we do those things and it's it, it and it's also nice to you know when you come back they're they're very appreciative of those things so it's it's really cool do you guys do like in stores and stuff like that as well signings <laughs> and stuff it's harder to do those now as you know just because the physical copies of your and, yeah. and we're a physical band like we still sell more physical copies than we do um digital but it's harder to do in stores now. Like I feel like if you do in stores now, it's like the Spinal Tap thing where they show up and it's like just the guy, the records were owner. Like I thought there was going to be a bigger crowd, but well, there's know. there's fewer and fewer stores to do in stores yeah. in. That's know? true. I miss the kind of mom and pop record shops, and I love it. Like I remember when vinyl first started coming back. I was like this hipster bashing. Like I was like, this is so stupid. We have <laughs> CDs, we have MP3s that sound so good. Like why would you go back? My wife, God bless her, bought me a record player, not thinking that I would probably make fun of it as soon as I got it. And uh, she bought it for me, and I started buying a bunch of records. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And so what I would do is I'd put on a record. Like the best, I guess the best reference for it is I I bought this Jackson Brown record at this huge, I remember in Grand Rapids, Mm -hmm. um, on Uproar. We played Uproar, and we went and found this record and. I found like two songs that I never knew were on that record because I had that record on my iPod and I would always skip songs. Right, right. I would right. always like, I would go, ah, sure, you know, I know, I know the next song. But when I, what I'd do is I, when I get to the house, I'd put on the record and I'd start cleaning the house. I'd vacuum, you know, do whatever. I'd, I'd play guitar and I'd hear these songs and I discovered like two of my favorite songs now of all time on that record that I'd always skipped for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it's good. I like it now. I, I saw the other day though that tapes are coming back and I think that's absurd. What? Yes, I was at Urban. I was at Urban Outfitters, and there was like a row of tapes. It was like "Color Me Bad," and like you know, like I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Like, who again, wants like, a tape? Where are you even going to play them? Like, who has a tape? Who has a tape? Player? I have old VHSs that like I want to show my wife, and I'm like, I can't find a VHS player. Like, I went to a pawn shop one day, and they're like, "Out of here!" What do you mean? <laughs> VHS tape. So yeah, it's 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 just the tape thing is ridiculous. The vinyl thing I get because. It is cool and it's nostalgia. Like, did you have any great? I mean, you probably have some great nostalgia memories of tapes, but but, but not really though, because like ta- tapes was because like you said, albums you would listen through. If there was a cut that you wanted to hear, you could look at the groove and move the needle over. Tape, you, you're, you're shooting in the dark. Forward, stop, <laughs> rewind, stop. And then the thing would break and the damn tape would go all over the place. It was very un, uh, un, uh, inconvenient to listen to a cassette. When you ever – you were – because – you started wrestling. It was still tapes, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So were you like, when you would like warm up, would you like have like a, the tape player? Yeah, because I know you love music as much as I do. Yeah, so you're Walkman, dude. You're, you're Walkman. Walkman. I had a yellow. 
had a yellow and gray Walkman that had the waterproof Sportman. clip. Which, the Sportman. Yeah, that's what it was. And you, had, you remember you had the headphones that were like the worst. Head, they're like they look like the Apple earbuds, except for they were hooked to a wire and yes. they fit the wrong way. Yeah, or the other ones would just be like big styrofoam, oh, yeah. uh, not styrofoam, big foam padding. Yeah. It would just be like a disc that and would the, go over your ear. And it was orange. Yeah, it would just kind of go anywhere. The sound would go whatever. <laughs> I was going to say this too. That is funny. Uh, the last Cheap Trick album, they released it on 8-track because they wanted to have the highest selling 8-track of the year. <laughs> that would be great. That great? They, like, they sold like we 20 should of do them. that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a smart idea. Well, you sell them at merch, and then you're like, we have the, we, you could have one of the highest selling eight tracks of all time. <laughs> yeah, if, you know, just if as like just, an established yeah, thing. Because people would know what the hell it was too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you say eight track to a certain age, unless they've like watched movies or something with it in it, they have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, no, no, and no then, idea. Those were even the worst because uh, they would stop in the middle of songs. You'd have four programs, and the eight track would like be like, it's like the Shine on Tune is playing, and it's like, ah, no, 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 no. No, 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 and then continue. See, I never, I yeah. never, th- not, not that I can recall. I don't remember a ton from my my like early childhood. I had a great childhood. I just don't remember <laughs> from it. Um, and uh, I don't remember eight. I don't remember eight tracks. Eight tracks. I'm sure. Either. I'm sure my parents probably had one, like a car one. Kind of like laser discs. Like just this moment in time that <laughs> that was that was that fast. was a blip on the radar. Yeah, yeah. Laser disc did not last. <laughs> yeah. I think Eric Eric Bastel says that he has like some laser discs. Still has laser discs? I think so. Well, it's like Mike Portnoy is going through an eight track phase. He went to <laughs> bought an eight track plan. It's like that's a little bit too obscure for me. You know, when when you're talking about your guys, uh, have, you, have you been touring a lot on the threat threat for survival? Because that's kind of the new. Model model now is more touring than anything oh yeah we we have we always we've we've always toured even even when record sales were kind of still a, a thing we toured a lot and i think that's just kind of been the, the mm-hmm. benchmark of shinedown but that we do it more you know what i noticed though is because we've always done it you know we, we've always kind of been road warriors but this summer was the first summer that i noticed like how the record industry is affecting um, musicians or bands or, or mm-hmm. artists because I, I brought out a family bus for just me and my wife and my son and I had to book it like eight months in advance because if you looked this summer I don't think there was an artist in the world who's been contemporary in the last 25 years who Everybody wasn't touring out there right it wasn't touring and what was you know what gave me a little bit of hope though is I didn't see any tour that was doing bad mm-hmm. like there was Disturbed and Breaking Ben there was Black Sabbath, all these huge rock tours, corn, um, just huge rock tours out, and every picture I saw of every show yeah. had people. And you think when the market spread so thin like that, that people, you know, it's not the best of times right now. It's not the worst, but it's not the best of times. So people spending, you know, fifty dollars, you know, you got to spend a night out at a show is at least one hundred and fifty bucks mm-hmm. all in because even you you're either buying a ticket for you and your girl you're gonna go get food you got to park you're gonna get some beer you know it's one hundred and fifty bucks and and doing that five times over the course of the summer that's not easy for right, sure. for the common working person and so it really made me happy to see that like all these like we were so late to the game on announcing our summer tour that I was like oh this is gonna be like it's gonna bomb all was these it a carnival. It was the carnival of madness. Did you go yeah. out with? We had hailstorm, blackstone cherry, and a band called Whiskey Myers from Texas. So that's a pretty strong bill. It is, but there were a lot of. I mean, the Disturb tour was. I mean, Disturb, Breaking Ben, 
Alter Bridge and that's, yeah, and, and Saint Asonia. I mean, that's like that that's one. that's a stacked well, as you plus can you get. Got, plus, you got ACDC playing stadiums, and then when they're done, Guns N' Roses playing stadiums. Yeah, Guns N' Roses. Then you got ACDC too. with Axl Rose. Yeah. it's like you can't win. You can't get away from Axl Rose. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's gonna take over for Brent, I think, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. No, I, it's it's weird. I and I went. You know, I. There was a, there was an interview with Brent on Blabbermouth, which I love. I read Blabbermouth every day. I'm guilty of it. Just I, don't read the comments. I, I avoid the comments because, because the they're all, it's all the same eleven people. <laughs> Axel von Erie or yeah, yeah, it's, like it's so funny. But Brent did an interview, and he, you know, because sometimes I love Blabbermouth. I love you to death. I read. I go to your site every, every single day. day. Me too. I do. I, I do. Think every musician, Lionel Lars, goes on. Like a lot of people go. On. I do, and I love it. I love seeing the, the stuff, and that's how I keep up on rock events i think mm-hmm. it is kind of the catalyst of of what rock music is right and for me i went and it, there was an interview with brent and, and they, you guys do take headlines out of context sometimes and it said brent smith knew the guns and roses store would sell out or something <laughs> and it's funny because i i had to read the comments <laughs> and it was like oh f- nostradamus over <laughs> here like right, right. But, oh shit sherlock yeah here's here's where that came from and, and i'm i'm gonna out myself right now i said that it wouldn't you said that it wouldn't sell out. I said that I said that I pictured it because I saw it kind of crashing into the mountain because no Izzy and no, no e- either drummer. Right. I know why Sorum wouldn't yeah. be there. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a private discussion. Right. But I or no Adler, and I was like, I don't, I don't see it. And I, I, in my head, I was going, maybe it's too late. Maybe they should have done this in two thousand two. And then I went to go see it, mm-hmm. and I was like. And it, it was it was I that I feel like I was fourteen? No, I didn't. But there were there were these key moments where it was one of the coolest rock and roll things I'd ever seen. When you know I've seen Slash with Miles, which is one of the best bands, Amazing. one of the best touring rock yeah. bands there is. And then I saw Guns in three different entities, you know, over the years. You know, the Buckethead, the Bumblefoot, and the and the DJ and all that mm. stuff. Seeing Axel mm-hmm. do the scream and welcome to the jungle and you see slash playing i i'm getting chills talking about it right now i was like i just like looked over at my buddy and i was like this is why we came this is why we came to the show and it was so good and i was so i was the one going like this isn't gonna this isn't gonna do what everybody thinks it's gonna do and i was wrong and so brent did that interview and it's just like oh really way to pick that one like, you know it's just but, funny reading the, the comments but there's something to say about the chemistry of those guys being on stage together and i was because i was the same like I, I i wasn't like i was predicting who the lineup would be it's going to be this guy and this guy, and he's in and he's out, and he's going to be in it, and they're going to have all five of them at least for two or three songs. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. Of course, they did none of that. But then you get up there, and it's just like the Stones. Like, you go to see the Stones, the picture on the poster is Mick, Charlie, Keith, and Ronnie. They've got seven other dudes on stage. There's yeah, one yeah. players, the backup singers, yeah. you know, other, like Daryl Jones on yeah, bass. Yeah, Daryl Jones, who's been there for 25 20, years. 25 years, yeah. right. And Lisa Fisher, probably 30 years. But they're not on the poster because that's not the Stones. The Stones is the four guys. That's what it is. And Lord forbid, if something happened to any of the two, and it's still Mick and Keith, and they got somebody like whatever. Then it would just be it, Mick it, and Keith. The Who? It's 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 Roger and Pete on the poster. That's what it Heart, is. It's Anne and Nancy, Guns and Roses. It's Axel Slash and Duff, and yep. the rest is basically irrelevant. And once you kind of get that in your head, you realize it's a pretty damn good show. It's irrelevant, I think, to the common man. It's not irrelevant to you and me. To musicians, yeah. To to you and me, it's not. They had to. You know who wrote a lot of those us. songs? Yes. And you know you know that guy's not there, and yes. you know and and the honestly. The drummer, even after, listen, I'm all, I'm on board now yeah, after too. I saw it. But before I was like, 
I could have done without a drummer, mm-hmm. but give me Izzy. Mm-hmm. And but you know the history of Izzy. I know like he's I do. nuts, right? He's, he did, he's he he didn't want to do it. Yeah, you know? he and doesn't want to show up and won't show up. So then, what are you going to do? And you know what's crazy is I was a, a, a bunch of my friends worked on that tour, and, and you know we're all friends with some of the guys in the band, and mm-hmm. that guy went on stage on time every night. Every night, it's like he it's like he flipped a switch, and I'm sure there was some sort of addendum in the contract that said, "Hey." You better be yeah. on stage because you're making you're also, making three million dollars a show. I agree, but I also think this as well, and see if you agree with me on this. I think the fact that that because uh, the guns thing was just a few shows, and then he goes straight into ACDC. He's doing ACDC for the right reasons. I just saw it two nights ago in Madison yeah. Square Garden. It, it was unbelievable, dude. Yeah. It was the shit. But he sang the tunes, and when he wasn't singing, he hung out back by the amps with uh, with Cliff and Stevie. Angus is the star of the show. I think he put his ego in check to do that for the right reasons as a fan of ACDC. Yeah. And I think he realized this is what a rock and roll band does. They're on time. They're on point. They're tight. They do the job. And I think that might have helped it with Guns N' Roses a little bit. I think so, too. I definitely think it helped. Mm-hmm. When, when he signed on to do the ACDC thing, as much as I agree or disagree with, with how everything went down... I knew that Angus wasn't going to have that. Right. You know, so, and you know what? I think he kind of came to this conclusion too, because you're seeing it like he's doing interviews now mm-hmm. and he's being, he's so cool in the interviews. And I think it's one of those things too. It's like he knew, and listen, Slash has one of the, like I said, one of the exactly. best touring rock and roll bands. Yes. Out there. Yep. You know, two guys from Winnipeg in that band. Dude, uh, they're so, yeah, Brent and, Fitz and uh, Kearns, yeah, yeah, and Todd Kearns yeah. and, and Frank and all those guys that's one of the best bands I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, I think that Axel knew that slash wasn't going to deal with any of that. And what I'm, what's cool about what I'm hearing is this, despite all the, the rumors of, of people who aren't even in the camp is those guys are actually getting along mm-hmm. and they actually, the truth. they actually, you know, and people are fun. like, people are like, well, well, they all have separate dressing rooms. I'm like, dude, sometimes we have separate sure. dressing rooms because there's enough room. Yeah. If you could have a separate yeah, dressing room, you know take it. you're in your forties and your fifties now, yeah, man. Like dude. you have kids. Like, yeah. I don't want to be in a bunch of, I don't want to be in a room with a bunch of other grown own men and their own problems you know what i mean like yeah. we're, like you know how it is now touring with us like i'm i'm dealing with like the air conditioning company <laughs> it's right. it's not like what it used There's to a be cockroach in my bathtub <laughs> yeah. what I'm am like, i supposed to do i'm three thousand like, miles away yeah, like <laughs> you know like it's not how it used to be where it was just like we could just tour and do this like i'm calling samsung about my freezer setting not being right at three o'clock <laughs> you uh, we gotta go do a meet and greet like hold on i'm talking to <laughs> yeah. whirlpool about my dishwasher you know so it's like you don't want to be in there like oh yeah, uh, Axel's bitching about the pool filter again. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, you don't want to be in the same dressing room. But I'm, I'm glad they're. It, it seems legitimate, and that's all I really cared about mm-hmm. when it happened. I was like, you know, it would be so easy for this thing to be a big money grab because dude, yeah. those guys are walking away with six figures and that easy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super maybe even easy. seven, maybe even seven. Yeah, maybe you know, even seven, knows, with, right? with, including merch. So. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Jericho. Well, let's talk about you talk about being on the road with friends, and and I bring back up where 
one of my favorite tours that we've ever done. That me, I think ours too. Shine down. Yeah. Uh, 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 I can't remember who else was on it. Uh, Godsmack. Godsmack was on it. Papa Roach was on yeah. it. You know, but, but for whatever reason, our bands got along really well. Yeah, and it was. I think that was the most like hang tour that we've ever yes. done. Like I, I remember you and I hung out every single night mm-hmm. of the entire tour. And we'd steal golf carts. <laughs> now let's explain this. Yeah. I don't know if I'm giving away your secret here, but you have a skeleton key. I have a skeleton key to every golf cart company in the world, unless it's a custom-built golf cart. No, I still have them too. Then basically, what he's saying is, that when you play these big amphitheaters, those golf carts to get guys around. Yeah. And Zach has a, a, a skeleton key that turns on every golf cart. Yes. So that would be the end of the night festivity. We we finished our set at five thirty. We do our meet and greet. We do our interviews. Come watch Shine Down. You guys would be done about ten thirty eleven. Then we go golf. Then karting. we go golf carting in the pouring rain. Even <laughs> sometimes I still have pictures of that I remember we played DT in Detroit, and it was me and you and Guy and a couple other people, and we were like, we're golf carting, and it's pouring rain, but it was fun every night because we get explore, we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. It was fun. You pretended to be a police officer one time <laughs> for these this drunk girl and this drunk guy in a car. What a I have story. a video of that. I think Dude, still. That seems like we have like, to we have to figure out let where. Let me that see if is. I can remember the story, and you tell me because I think I was probably had a couple of cocktails. At that I think point. you had a, you had a, you had your clear you had your clear water cup. <laughs> yeah, my, my solo cup. Right. I remember for like a year after that, every time you would be drinking because you drink that you like vodka and water. Yeah. And you would send me a picture of just you in a cup. And it would just make me laugh every time because like that's your thing. Every night I'd see you, it was like it's like your pimp cup. Like it was just a clear cup and it had vodka and water in it and it just looked like water. Yeah. I remember I showed up and we, we were trolling around and you're like and we were like, dude, there's there's people in that car over there. And there's like one car left in the parking lot. Yeah. This is it's one o'clock in the morning. One o'clock in the morning. And I go over and there's a girl in the car another girl or something i can't remember what was going it's on that's right it was two girls two and girls. their boyfriend ended up pulling up after the fact after. so i knock on the window and they roll down the window and i, I flash my uh laminate for the tour and say you know detroit police whatever it was a dallas police wherever that we were you guys can't be in here drinking you know uh, this is bad news you guys if you don't leave right now i'm gonna throw you in jail you I took knew. their alcohol i took their alcohol <laughs> I believe it was a bottle of Jack Daniels. And they gave it to Confiscated. And then the boyfriend pulled up and came over and started giving me lip, and I flashed the badge at him. Yeah. <laughs> Easy, pal. You also, you were, rocking, you were rocking the mustache. Oh, for the cop stash bash. For the bash. cop stash bash. So you looked like a cop. <laughs> and in a, in a concert, you kind of look like how an undercover, I think you were wearing my hoodie. You're yeah. like, I don't have a hoodie. So you, I gave you my hoodie, which was a small, <laughs> by the way. Of course. And you put it on. That was also the same night that you went to a meet and greet as me, and I didn't even go to the meet and greet. <laughs> I remember I just slouched down, and people were like, oh, we love you so much, but thanks, You had man. your hood up? I still yeah. have pictures Teenage of that. Teenage angst, yeah, man. It's all good, thanks, Teenage man. Angst. Talking with a little bit of a oh, accent, man. Yeah, because they were calling you <laughs> yeah. Jericho Jr. because we had the same hairstyle. And we had, yeah, we had the same hoodie. <laughs> and, I, and I cut my hair now, and we still have you the did. same hairstyle. You did, and we have it again. We'd have it again. I that, was, that was great, that tour, because bands were supposed to have a party on the tour. Every week. Every week. Yeah. But I'll remember you guys had one and it was a is it, it was a disco party we had glow jam blow jam it, it was blow jam and it was a glow party okay we spent nine thousand dollars because everyone everyone always like we're gonna do a party and most of the time the parties were the cop stash bash was you guys right. and that was the best party i think other than ours okay, because well. we had i think we had uh um some some little people Mm-hmm. Um, we had clowns. Mm-hmm. We had uh, burlesque dancers. We had a guy doing a live painting in glow and like glow. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, you guys had the cop stash bash, which was amazing. We had red and 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 uh, blue punch. We had red donut and blue punch. We had donut holes. We were all dressed as cops. Everyone was dressed as a cop. Which is Barry amazing. Kurtz won the uh, costume award. He looked like a, like a little Angus Young cop. <laughs> For some reason, I just laughed whenever I saw him. I still have photos of all this. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. That's what, that was great camaraderie in that tour because it was six weeks of the same guys and you know girls or whatever. You get to be friends with you get yes. to become friends with everybody. But where's it, your bus at? Where you parked at? It was amazing how well our two bands kind of hit it off. Yeah. You know, because it's like because you had Stain and Godsmack who are the the you know the New England connection. So they like had their they little they had out. their hang. They watch football and just talking accents all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then uh. <laughs> And then we would hang out all the time. And, and I remember the, like, Rich would do the CrossFit with Brent and Barry. Yeah, and that happened all the time. Yeah, and you and I wouldn't even bother showing up. No, we just, I, I, yeah. I was actually working. That was the, I was in the best shape I've ever been in in my life on that tour. On that tour, and like I look back at pictures and like my arm, like my arms were. I never looked like you, <laughs> but like my arms were like all cut up, and I was like, man, this is great. And then I think right after that tour is when I I had the thing on my wrist, which I've had surgery for since then, but mm-hmm. I couldn't do pushups and stuff, and I was like, oh. This sucks, but like I remember that tour, like working out every day. Yeah. We had the same catering. Yeah, we, had, we uh, and we had and and the best TV pilot of all time came out of that. It's gonna see the light of day one day. We talk about it all the time, dude, bro. The the bro hunters, bro hunters. I sent you the link to that. You I did. think it's. If you, I'm gonna tell everybody. About tell this. everyone about the bro hunters because this has to be known. It's, it's been in four years. It's gonna come out. We're so, gonna put it out because so now it's energy, yeah. Uh, rocks, you tell it because rock, you you well, you, you know s- more than I did. I was just the mascot <sighs> on air. You were actually you and Bass were like the, the, the me and Bass came up with the concept, but without your acting skills, which by the way, for being a couple clear cups of water in <laughs> you. This may have been the best performance of your life because you you made the people who came up with the concept laugh. Like we were like, okay, this is going too far. Like this is way too good. So there were people, and and, and we're not telling tales outside of school here. Um, there were people on the Rockstar Energy Tour, um, and they had Rockstar had their own people out, and they would set up all the tents every day for all the Rockstar yeah, drinks yeah. and all that. And I don't think they they would be insulted. They, were like uh, they called cold. themselves Dude Bros. Yeah, they came up with the moniker, which is amazing. And I, I think, think of like great. Jeff Spicoli and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There are a bunch all of the dudes time. Like, dude, what's up, dude? How you doing, hey, man? Hey, bro. Hey, bro. What's up, um, dude? And yeah, so what happened was, it was basically you'd see these guys and they were hanging out with girls and they'd go pick up girls and they'd do whatever. And we decided the the whole the first part of the idea was all Eric. He said. You know how they have the ghost hunter show? Because you'd see these guys in the middle of the night, and they would basically come out of the woods or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it would just appear. It would just appear. Yeah. And they would have goggles on or hats that didn't make sense. The big straw hats. And they would like just they would be go karting through like a, a field of people, like Wah! like Spicoli on ten. <laughs> <laughs> so. We Eric said, you know the show Ghost Hunters. He's like, we need to make a Bro Hunters, and so I came to you and said, hey, listen, you guys do this. I'll kind of be like the producer, like off camera, and I'll kind of give you guys some direction. But other than that, you just take it. And what happened next was one of the most beautiful moments of television you could ever see because. I promise you, when this remember this podcast when it comes out, none of this was set up. 
Yeah. None of it. They oh. they weren't in on it. Yeah. And we filmed it over three days. And it was like you were looking. It was basically like we were looking for Bigfoot. Yes. It was, it was bro Big hunters. Or ghosts, that sort of thing. Bigfoots or ghosts. So basically what would happen was is, is we'd find all these things. And then you just kind of took it. And you and Eric and just ran with it. And you never broke character. <laughs> You were on the trail. You were on the trail. And so basically, I remember at one point you guys were in the woods and you called out and someone answered. <laughs> we were like, caw, caw, caw. Yeah. No, it was No, it was dude. And then the callback was bro. And that's how, that's how you and Eric would find each other. And there's like a, there's like part of the video of you and you have the, we have radios, by the way. This was official. And you have like snot running down your nose. And it looks like you're in the like middle Blair of the woods, like Blair Witch. It, we filmed it in black and white on that one part. And you're just like, you, you find like a, st- I, I can't even go into the, the things that you found, but. That the third day, we would just look on the ground and whatever trash we found, sprite can. We, we would use that as part of the of the evidence that a dude bro is here. And it wouldn't be a sprite because they drink sprite. It'd be a sprite because they were smoking hash out of using it as a hash pipe or something. You you find like a Delta tag and you're like, oh, these are from the 19 year old girls that they flew in from Bakersfield or whatever. And it was just anything you would find, you would turn into an entire backstory of what these people were doing. And I remember. On the third day, they were having a party, and they had, remember they had, had hand drawn a map, and we had got these three girls who were at the show, who wanted nothing more to bust these dudes out. Yeah, so we mic'd them. Remember, we mic'd the three girls, and we sent them out, and we had cameras hidden, and the dudes were talking. I remember uh, one guy's name was Penny. And one guy's name was Daddy, and like they were—that's what they were introducing to these girls as. So they drew them a hand-drawn map, and I think I remember you explaining the map, and it's one of the most brilliant things. And this, this map looked like it was drawn by the Goonies, like a <laughs> ten-year-old. Like it was like like there were there were Skittles here. at the end of it. Like <laughs> it was basically it was a uh, it was basically like that. And then so what and what happened next was amazing because we go and we get on these golf carts. And we're we're hunting in the woods. I mean, we are far away from the venue at this point because there's all these trails behind most of the venues that yeah. take you through the woods. And this is at Whitewater Amphitheater. Yeah, oh, Whitewater up in, uh, up Seattle. in Seattle. Yeah. And so <laughs> we get out there, and you're you're sitting there, and you and Eric, you hear somebody coming, and you hide, and you all. You, I remember you take a, a piece of a stick and hide behind it <laughs> like it was camouflaging you. And then these guys come out. And it was everything we had explained about these dudes, and it wasn't set up. Yes. And they were totally acting like everything that we had said. Mm-hmm. And the guy had, remember, he had big Oakley snowboarding goggles on. This is summer. Yeah, the middle of the night. <laughs> this is the middle the morning, of the night. Yeah. And he, they come up, and he's like, and the first, he sees the cameras, and the first thing he said is, dude what's going on and they were so tripped out and the next thing you know you see danny the caterer and like a bunch of other dudes in the back of this like they had one of those big like alligator like monster mobile things and they were just they were just out of their minds yeah completely and basically it had summed up everything we talked about it and it's like they just walked into a trap of what they were yeah and it was the most beautiful thing ever. And I remember we tried to show it before the last show during set change between Godsmack and Shinedown. Up in uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. Or uh, Albuquerque. No, Albuquerque, that's yeah. it, yeah. And so I remember being in the trailer and we're showing it to John Oaks. And the, the, uh, the, 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 the director of the festival. And he's cr- he's crying. He's literally crying. And he goes and he puts his hand on Brent and Eric's shoulder and he goes, there's no f- way we can show this. <laughs> 
just, and we were talking about we were like we were gonna blur out their faces, their names, and he was like, "Dude, this will ruin these dudes' lives." <laughs> and now I think if it came out now, it would be funny, but it was it was it was more of just once you said like guys on the road for six weeks. How you stay sane Exactly When you're on the road Just like doing this Like this was Because like we finished the set Which is always a blast Yeah But with the sole idea Of like I can't wait To get back on The Dude Bro show It, it was Yeah it was like It was soon to shine down And I only I think those nights Like usually when our band We, we had a lot of pyro On the tour So we're sweating yeah. like crazy So after the show We all kind of jump in the shower Not together Sometimes together, Once I guess, and then uh, we would, uh, we would. I think some those nights, like we, me and Eric, didn't even shower. Just like great. we, we have to go do right this right stage, now the because because we know that they are out hunting. <laughs> All these girls are leaving the festival. <laughs> right. These dudes are just prowling the right prowl. now. They're this is like like a zoo animal that like somebody just left the cage open. Like, <laughs> hey, go do your thing, you know. And it was so amazing. And I just remember those were some of the most fun nights I had ever had on tour in my entire life. Nice. And it was just like. Which is what we always say. We're like, every time we talk about a tour, we're like, if Jericho's not doing anything, we got to bring Fozzie back. Oh, man, we, we have to we bring Fozzie back. It's funny because, like you said, it's been four years, but just getting back on this couch talking to you, it's like it brings back. Like It's such such a good trip, a good time, lots of fun. There's another great tour that you did. I'm sure you've done a million since then, but it's funny. I just saw Kiss uh, about two months ago. I took my son and his friend. I saw pictures of that. And great. it was amazing. Uh, and I remember you got to tour with Kiss in Canada. Yeah. And you were super stoked and excited about it. And I know it went really... And I tried the Jericho pizza. The Jericho pizza? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's all right. I, well, it wasn't good. Is I it DJ's it pizza in Winnipeg, yeah. Manitoba? Yeah. So you got to try this. I said, I said, I'm in Winnipeg. And he goes, you have to get DJ's pizza. And you have to get the Jericho... The Jer- what is it called? The Jericho. Is it's it the Jericho pizza? Beef, the Jericho. And it, actually, I remember it being good. I think we got like a Meat Lovers or something else. And it, it wasn't that good. The Jericho was all right. They just build it up too much. Just, I think you might have just built it up okay. too much. <laughs> but how was it? Tour- I, but I, then again, I don't have anything named after me in the food. Well, there you go. Yeah. See if there's ever a Zach Myers pizza. Then there actually that. is a Canadian restaurant in Memphis called Kooky Canuck. Kooky Canuck. Yeah. Really? Yep. It's amazing. Great food. We may go. We can go there after tonight if you no want. No kidding. And it's uh, my friend Sean owns it. And I said I need a menu item because I cook every day at the house. So and I'm I'm a pretty I'm not like Barry our drummer's like an amazing cook, mm-hmm. but me and Eric cook as well and I'm a pretty good cook and I I make a couple things that are or to me that I can't came up with. He's like, "Let's do it." So I still haven't gone in there and made it. So I will have my own dish at a Canadian restaurant. So what kind of stuff do they serve at the Kooky Canuck? Um they have poutine, they have um poutine of course. Of course they have poutine. That's the only they have like Canadian. hot dogs Montreal style, so they okay. like have like the Lettuce and the pickles and the tomato, like they do, but it's really good. It's awesome food. They have like a, a maple steak, which is really good. So is that many Canadians in Memphis that want? To I, I doubt it. Just the people just go there because they. It's been on Food Network. They have this thing called the Cucamonga Challenge, which is like a five pound burger, and if you finish oh, it within the okay. hour, gotcha. and it was on Man versus Food, and he didn't finish it. But it's a great restaurant. Uh, my friend Sean Danko owns it, and uh, it's a, it's amazing. I don't know. I don't know what you guys eat up there. Yeah, it's it's, it's not Tim really Hortons Canadian. or poutine. I don't, yeah, there's you know. not really anything Canadian. No. But, but was, I remember the reason why I bring up the, the kiss thing is I know you got to ride Paul Stanley's Love Gun uh, zip line. Yes. How did you get that opportunity? We were friends with with all a lot of the crew because they were you know they kind of work around a lot of things and and Robert Long who's their production manager and Sooner who designed the show those two um, work for Shine Down as well they help us design. And um, we're just friends with a lot of the crew. And then we, Paul watched us every night, which was amazing. And Doc kind of came up one night and he was like, hey, man, he's like, he doesn't like he doesn't do that a lot. And it, we, we were just so honored to be out there, especially in Canada, because it was a market that we don't get to do as much as we'd like to. Mm-hmm. And um, 
honestly, they couldn't have been nicer guys to us, all four of them. I, I basically went to uh, Steve Roman, the stage manager, one day, and I said, hey, I want to ride the upside down lollipop, which is what I called it. And he was <laughs> like, he was like, yeah, zip that's it. This is a zip line. And he goes out on love time. Like, I'm coming out there to see you. That's right. And so, uh, we, uh, we were like, all right. He was like, yeah, come on, do it. And I was like, really? So I like, gave, I gave my phone to our base tech and I was like, you have to film this. And like, I got to ride it and it was really cool. And it was, it was so much fun. And then, so I don't know if I ever told you this. I thought I may have, but the last day of the tour, I was talking to doc the night before and he's like, yeah, where do you guys fly to? I was like, Oh, we get to go home. We we're getting ready to start the Carnival of Madness, the second one. And uh, I was like, yeah, we, we have like three days at home. I was like, but it's going to take us like a day to get home. Like we, we were like way up in Newfoundland, I think. Mm. And we, we had like a flight to Boston and then a flight to Atlanta. And it was like it was like 15-hour trip home. Long way, yeah. And uh, I remember telling him that the night before. And the next day, he calls me. And I'm at the hotel getting ready to check out. And he goes, he's like, Zach, he's like, I got Paul on the phone. And it's like... It, Paul Stanley is calling like he's like it's Doc and Paul on a three-way call. He's like, "Hey, if you guys would like to," and he, this is what they said: "Jump on the Kiss jet." <laughs> and I was like, "What? <laughs> this is the greatest thing I've ever heard." So I was like, "Yeah." So basically, we we changed our flights up. They flew us to Boston because we were gonna have to like wait till the morning. So we literally flew in the night before, changed our flights, and got home like so. We actually had three days off before this tour started, and it was so amazing. Because, like, we pull up to the plane, and, like, I'm sitting there, and, like, Paul Stanley's, like, offering me Oreos, and he's <laughs> he's showing me these these home videos of, like, him and Evan, his son Evan, yeah. uh, who, is in a, who is a great, great musician, player, yeah. and um, it's, like, they have this cover band that they do, and they'll play, like, benefits and, like, charity things Paul like that. Evan? Paul and Evan, oh, and then Eric will play drums. I've, I don't recall who the bass player was. Mm. He's, like, showing me these videos, and I'm, like, teenage me is losing... My mind right now, like I'm like literally sitting next to Paul Stanley on a plane. He's eating Oreos and like dipping them in milk. Like <laughs> this is the Star Child. Yeah, he tells us about his watch that's made out of moon dust. And I was like, well, of course, <laughs> of course. Who? You're the Star Child. Yeah, what else you have you? a watch made of moon dust. And it, it was just so insane, man. It was just like it was so surreal because I remember the very first time I got to. Well, I'd seen him before, but um, on the on the Aerosmith Kiss. Tour with Saliva was open. I was playing mm-hmm. bass for Saliva, and um, he used to play with Saliva. I used to, yeah, play bass for Saliva. So you were on that tour while. as well. Yeah, wow. And then we did a couple other shows with Kiss as well. Um, after that, and I was playing bass, and it was basically because of the those two bands would have like a ninety minute set each, you know. So it was like a fifteen minute set change. They just Kiss's stuff was set up and they had a black drape in front of it, and then basically they roll our gear off fifteen minutes later. Kiss would go on, so I'd seen him before. And I was a, I was like a fan, but like I wasn't, I wasn't like the, you know I wasn't a member of like the Kiss Army, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm, I get off stage. It was like the first show. I'm like sweating, and I'm just kind of like coming down. Like I think it was the first time we'd ever played an arena. And um, I was sitting there, and it was like ten minutes after, and the lights go out, and you see the spots start going, and I see these four guys coming down the hall, and I was like holy shit i get it i get it <laughs> yeah. and like they're they're coming down the hall and gene's like sticking his tongue out at every chick who's like you know what i mean and i'm like this is this is it this is the i was like thing, yeah. i mean i reverted to being like i was born in 83 but i like reverted to being like a kid in like 77 <laughs> yeah. who sees kiss for the first time and i was like this this is they this is what a rock star looks like <laughs> right and it was like the, i remember that being like one of the coolest moments ever so now fast forward oreos watch made of moon dust <laughs> 
home videos bar, eating barbecue on like the kiss jet <laughs> so it was it was truly amazing and they um at the end of the tour um paul gave us all a guitar a paul stanley guitar and nice. they had all signed it and i'd asked gene they had like their own little dining room set up every day and i went in and, and paul would like bring me in there and he was, he was so nice man and um i was sitting next to gene one day and he had this gold axe bass you know they sell their their stage play basses for like 80 trillion dollars yeah and i said uh I want that gold base. I said, I'll buy it. He was like, well, how much, <laughs> you know, in the, in the typical gene. And I asked, then I asked doc, he's like, I'll see if I can get it for you. And he was like, it was still like, even like he gave me like 75% off. It was still like $5,000. Well, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I just want a base. It doesn't have to be the gold base. I was like, I'll, I'll pay it. I'll pay like a grand, whatever. So at the end of the tour, his tech comes up to me and hands me a base. And it, it was Gene's ax base. It wasn't the gold one, but it was an axe base and had blood on it and he signed That's it. Pretty, so yeah. I still have it. So it's pretty amazing. It was, but yeah, that kiss tour was cool just because it's kiss, man. Yeah, you don't have to be a kiss fan. And I was, but like, even if you're not like just being, yeah, just seeing it and being around it's an institution, you know, and they also too, it's like seeing a, a band for that many years, how they run the ship. You it's know? amazing. It's so tight. Yes. It, it, it's, it's, you it, don't even really have a tour manager. It's it's just really? these it's just these guys like I think uh, maybe Dennis is the the older guy Dennis, security you know, they guy had, uh, they had Gooch for a while yeah. they had Doc those guys and all those guys are out there yeah. yeah but it's not like they have you know a lot of regimented like uh, here's your base tech and here's your base base tech and here's your base 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 tech it's no like, it's, the crew's probably very minimal I would think for such a big show yeah uh, the production side of it there's a lot of people yeah. but you know the like I said circle. there's not really like a tour just like they have an entourage of people because they hub mm-hmm. which is cool. So like you'd see them every day. Like we, I think we started the the tour on the west coast of Canada. So they were staying in Vancouver, and like we started in Victoria, and we'd work. So they would be they hub. So they're in like a hotel. If people don't know what hubbing means, they're in a hotel for like a week in mm. Vancouver. So they basically set up shop, and then you know they leave the hotel four o'clock in the afternoon, the day of the show, get on the the Kiss jet, <laughs> uh, fly to wherever, and then after after the show, I mean. They take that stuff off in a record amount of time. Are you talking about the makeup, the makeup, yeah. and all this stuff? And uh, and then they're on the jet, and they're back in the same bed for a week, which is really cool. Which so great, yeah. we'd see, you'd like see them come in, and it was like at this point we're all on first names basis with everybody, and like when they pull into the arena, I'm still like, this is so cool, <laughs> it's just so awesome. And like you you hear you hear Fran over there doing the, you know. All right, <laughs> you're like this is the coolest thing ever. Like it never, you're it, it, one of the it best. never gets old. Yeah, it never gets old. Yeah, and yeah. like I don't care what anyone says. Like the, those parts to me never got old. It was so now, amazing. You mentioned having Gene's axe base, and do you collect guitars? Don't you? Yeah, I, I, we we didn't do a tour of the house before we came, but yeah, there's a there's a guitar room upstairs that is probably a hundred deep, and then I got wow. I got a lot in a storage unit, and a lot are at my dad's. What are some of your uh, your uh, golden? Golden pieces. I have a '59 Les Paul. Burst. Is that the '59? Is that like the yeah. rare one? Yeah. Like it's, Keith Nelson has one. Yeah, Keith Nelson and he has one. Buys a ticket for it on a plane. When yeah. He takes it out. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's I, the I, most valuable guitar. Or something yeah. Like that. And I have a. Uh, I don't travel with it, but um, I did. I brought it out on the road. And um, I have a '54 Strat, which is very, very, very rare. It's the first year that they started making Strats. Hmm. Um. Yeah. There's. There's. Um. What is it about the '59 Les Paul that makes it so? expensive so prized i think it was it was one of the first years they did the burst it was the first year they did the burst but they started the burst in 58 i think november october november december they they tried it out mm-hmm. so it's like the first time they, they introduced the flame top because most of the time they were the black or gold or like a like a tobacco kind of 
right. shade burst. And um, it was just so amazing when they came out and, and they're so rare and there's not that many of them. The same with the, that strat, you know, mm-hmm. that strat I have, it's one of the first 100 serial numbers. So wow. those are just amazing instruments. And I have a 68 335. That's like one of my favorite things ever. And then, um, are those ones that you've, you've gone out to find you trying to find it online or are you just kind yeah. of stumbled upon? I have a list of, so when I was a kid, I made this list of 10 guitars that my dad probably could have bought me. You know, I, ca- I came from a, a lower to middle class family, a very, very hard working family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, they couldn't really afford everything I wanted. So, you know, cause I wanted everything, especially when I started playing guitar. So when I started touring, when I was 14, I, my dad would let me buy guitars. That was really the only thing I was really allowed to spend my money on something that, that, you know, obviously had value and, mm-hmm. and would gain value. And I wasn't just blowing my money on pogs or Mark McGuire baseball cards, you know, pogs. Yeah. Loved pogs, dude. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a little old. A little for pogs. Yeah. That's a nineties kid. Yeah, thing. That's pogs. a nineties kid thing. So, um, basically we would do it and I have this list of 10 guitars that I've always wanted. And I think I'm at six now and I just, I just bought one the other day, but it was like, and they're weird. It's not like some of them aren't like these crazy, like rare, like, you know snakehead telecaster that's worth a million dollars like mm. one was like you remember do you remember the uh the jay younger um iceman the well, like white the zombie the green zombie, yeah. the green with the stars like that's one of the guitars on the list <laughs> i think guitar world one time called it the worst guitar ever <laughs> the made ugliest guitar and I, yeah. and I want one it's like it's one of those things it's just like i have these memories and one was the 97 joe perry Les ball which i just i just got nice the sixty-eight three thirty-five was one. Um, I just got an uh, an Elvis Gibson J two hundred with the Elvis Presley down the neck. With they only made four hundred of those. I just bought that like two days ago. I hadn't even gotten here yet. Mm. And um, so I had this list of guitars that I've always been into. And that was some of the guys you had. No, so. no, you growing up in Memphis, obviously you're a blues guy. But when you mentioned that you toured at fourteen, I know you told me a really wicked story before that you actually played with BB, didn't you? Not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple times. That's that's. I mean, tell like, give us that because he just passed away last year. Yeah, it was. Um, it was amazing, man. It was it was one of those things, and then uh, that w- I got to do it, and it was so surreal because I grew up like that was like Steve Ray Vaughan, Freddie King, BB King, like that was my people. I, I got into Hendrix a little later, but um, it was just so amazing to me that you get to meet this guy, and he's the most genuine. Like, you know, you say people are like when you say, oh, he's a really great guy, most of the time you're saying he's a really great guy for how famous he is or how, you know, but he was like a really great guy for like your neighbor. Like he was just, even if he was a normal guy, you'd be like, this is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. How did you meet him? Yeah, BB. How did you meet him? Um, I had a friend who was a photographer named Lindy Wilson and she introduced me to him and then I just got to play shows with him. You know, you were 14? I was 14 because I got signed when I was 14. That's when my first band got a record deal. And so it was... um, I got to do some shows with him and getting to play with him. I learned the biggest lesson Two, I've learned two biggest lessons. They were both from blues guys, buddy guy being one and, and BB was the first lesson I ever learned. And I, I learned and he didn't have to tell it. Buddy guy told me the, the, the lesson I learned from him. BB showed me the lesson I learned from him, which was we do this thing where you'd get up and play with BB. And then at the end of the night, he'd get up, he'd get up everybody on the show. And so, we do like you know a couple like a couple songs like I think nobody loves me but my mother and Thrill is gone, and everybody would get around to like solo. It's like a blues thing, so everybody solos, you know. So and and it got to me, and I'm like playing, and I'm like, man, I, I like I like I did really well. Like I wore that out. Like that's that's gonna be great. And then you know somebody went next, and somebody went next, and and then BB went, 
and we're all kind of playing fast and kind of just trying to be this like Steve Ray Vaughan type thing. And BB looks back at his drummer. I forgot who it was at the time. It might have been Tony Coleman, but he he looks back and the drummer stops and BB holds one note for 16 bars. That's awesome. I put my guitar down and I walked off the stage <laughs> because he was basically, without saying anything, he was like, it's not about how many notes you play. Mm-hmm. It's about the one note and making people feel it. And, I, and that's when I learned, I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter what instrument you play. It's about where you don't play. Mm-hmm. That's the most important. It's, it's the space. It's finding that space and knowing when not to play is way more important than knowing when to play. And then when I played with Buddy Guy, I was 16. And uh, I was so nervous because I didn't know I was going to play with him. I didn't open for him. I just literally went to the show as a fan. He knew that – I don't think he knew who I was. I don't, I don't think he knew that I had a record deal. I don't think he knew that I could have been this kid who only knew how to play Metallica and Nirvana songs. And um, I met him, and I got him to sign my guitar. And I was in the crowd, and about halfway through the show, this place is packed. It was at BB King's on Beale Street. And he points at me. And I'm, like, looking behind me. You know, I'm like <laughs> – I'm like – He's not pointing at me. And he's like, he points to the stage. And I was like, he's not fucking talking to me. There's no fucking way he's talking to me. And his tech comes up and he's like, I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm freaking out. So he hands me like, he's playing the black and white polka dot guitar, which he's known for. And he, the, the, the tech hands me the, the burgundy and white polka dot guitar. And I'm like losing my mind at this point. So I get up on stage. And the one first thing I remember is how loud he was. And I looked down at his amp and he was, his amp was pegged. Like <laughs> everything awesome. was on 10, like, like Angus. Mm-hmm. So, and, wh- and why did he point at you? He wanted, he wanted me to get up and play. But did he, he recognize your face? Well, I, 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 so before the show, I had gotten him to sign my guitar. Oh, okay. But I, I, he didn't know that I could play guitar. But he had, okay. He didn't know who I was. Like, I was signed and I was touring, but he yeah, didn't know he's that. He's not going to know who you are. Yeah. yeah and, and so he, he gets me up on stage, and I'm, he could, I think he could visibly tell that I was nervous. And I, I normally don't get nervous on stage, but I didn't know that. Like, that was, you could have literally said anything else was going to happen in the world. At that point, you'd have been like, oh, yeah, flying geese are going to come here and play trombone. And I'd be like, yeah, that's more likely than me playing with Buddy Guy. And uh, he put his arm around me and he said, just close your eyes and play. And I've I've done I've been doing that (laughs) for the last for the last, you know, 18 years at this point. And uh, that's kind of how I make it through shows now. But I was was like one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. Let's just close your close your eyes and play. And I was like, there you go. You know what's interesting about the BB King story that you told me is um, I had the it's a long story, but basically Jimmy Fallon introduced me to Keith Richards. I made a big long pilgrimage. We went in a room together, and the Stones had. Just, I know how much that means to you, by the way, dude. Huge. I know. And they had just reunited the Stones, and they they had done a pay per view, and they had a bunch of guests come out. It was just 2012, I think December or something like this, and they were doing uh, I'm Going Down. I think it's Freddie King. Freddie King. Yeah, and it was John Mayer. Gary Clark Jr., Ronnie Wood, and Keith. So, like you said. Well, do you need anything else? <laughs> yeah. But here goes the blues guys, and they're yeah. all soloing. And obviously, Mayer and Gary Clark are killers, and Ronnie Wood had the slide guitar. Yeah. And it came to Keith, and what did he do? <laughs> so I asked him about it. I was like, I saw this thing, and I was, I'm going down, and, and you just you played one note, and you blew everyone away. And he goes, well. He goes, all oh, those guys were playing so busy, man. I just, I thought I would just stick one note and stick. Uh, I thought I would just play one note and stick with it. I just had to make sure it was a good one. <laughs> but it's like the total old school blues guy stealing the show with the one note. I it was one of those things, and, and we talked about this. I remember when the Stones did that tour, 
and I, I texted you. Yeah. And you were like, I, I remember what you said. You said, I don't care what you have to do. You have to go see That's it. That's right. You were like, the set list is so great. And I remember you were, I'd seen it like twice or something yes, at that Mick point. Yes, Taylor came out and played. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, so, and I, I watched the Keith Richards documentary and I was always a Stones fan. I saw Stones on Voodoo Lounge mm. at Liberty Bowl Stadium here and Blind Melon opened. And I remember that's when I fell in love with Blind Melon. Mm. And, um, I love the songs. I've always been a, a lover of the Stone songs, but as a player, I didn't get into Keith Richards until I was a songwriter. And once I became a songwriter, I was like, just be simple. There's no, you don't need, you, you know what I mean? Like no one wants to read the dictionary when you're writing a song. Right. Just be as simple as you can be. You know, like, even if you take your top string off your guitar, <laughs> like Keith does, yeah. you know, it's like, it's so simple and you watch him. I think I've, and I've caught some shit for this. I've always said, for, for my whole life, I always said the the two greatest rhythm guitar players of all time are Malcolm Young and James Hetfield. And once I turned 30, I just moved Keith up to the very top of that list. And I was like, okay, it's Keith, then Malcolm, then now James. Now you got me. Now I'm like, I I'm like, I, I'm like, you know what? That guy, to me, and because I, I thought it was perfection. Because Malcolm Young's and Mal, Malcolm and James's right hands are the best right hands in music. It's precision. It's precision. It's it's they're a drummer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're a drummer on the guitar. Then I watched Keith, and I was like, "It's not about being tight. Play it different every time." Yeah. And it just has this like, I don't know, man. Like I, it, it, without with at the risk of sounding corny, it's just it, you feel what he's playing. He plays that telly and he'll play, you know, the start me up lick. And you're just like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's what rhythm guitar is. Like, that's what it's supposed yeah. to be. And it's his own thing. And there's so many people that that borrowed. And the, he borrowed a lot of stuff from old blue stuff. Mm-hmm. They all did that. They're they're not yeah, shy to admit their influences. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, man, it was the most amazing thing seeing him play. And I saw him on Bridges to Babylon too, which was the last time I saw him. Oh, and I gotta see him again because I know there's not much. You never had a chance to go on that uh, last tour. No, I, there's not yeah. much left. I know. Yeah. And I, I gotta go see it because well, then with them you never know because they're just as good now. I saw them last. That's summer. what you said. Yeah. That's what you told me. You're like they're again. better than I ever saw. Them. Yeah. And that's what I gotta see. And like, and I love so many other kind of deep cuts that I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see gotta it. Go. Next to what we're gonna do is me and you are we're just gonna fly check somewhere. Out the stones, man. Yeah, let's check do out it. Stones. So what's coming up for Shine Down now? We got lots of more touring still for the for the record. We got the Iron Maiden tour, which is crazy. Iron Maiden in Europe, England, in Europe, in England, and in Europe. Which That's is, a huge tour, dude. It's it's so huge. Especially we were all Maiden fans growing up, but Barry Kirch, our drummer, like so we we played with him at um, like four festivals. We played with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to we got to go up on stage one night. I think it was one of the last shows we did, and uh, maybe saw, I don't know what what show it was, but I look over. We're in Monitor World, and I look over at Barry, and he's crying. <laughs> he's literally crying, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this is so amazing because like this guy, like this is everything that he ever wanted, mm-hmm. and like he's playing with Iron Maiden. And like he was so overwhelmed, and it's like to see that in your in your in your best friend. Like you look mm-hmm. over, and he's like, he doesn't even know you're looking at him. He doesn't even know you're next to him at yeah. this point. And he's watching these guys who are like his favorite band. Like this, like you know, he's he knows 
every Eddie's name. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, which yeah, Eddie? Yeah, like yeah. he knows all that stuff. And like it's so cool. So when we got the tour, I like texted Barry and I was like, "Are you freaking out?" And he's like, "Dude, I'm losing my mind." <laughs> like, he gets to watch Iron Maiden every night for a month, and it's it's in the UK and it's in Europe. It's massive. We've never what, been to Ireland. So what it'd be do cool you guys too. do? Like if you're gonna be playing with Maiden, do you pick your heavier songs or you just do your thing? <laughs> Brent called me right when the email came. And you know when you go get ready to go on a tour, uh, you 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 rehearse mm-hmm. for your tour. And he called me. He was like, "Dude, this is amazing." And I said, "You know what we're gonna do?" And he said, "What?" I said, "Practice." <laughs> I go, "You know how when you go out on tour you rehearse?" He goes, "Yes, we're not gonna rehearse." I said, "We're going to practice <laughs> like we did when we were kids." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Because you have to be awesome." Because those dudes, I don't care how old they are. Yes, they're the greatest metal band I've ever seen. Yeah. Them and Metallica, and notoriously uh, loyal fans who very stand much so in their arms crossed. I hope they don't flip us off. Is all <laughs> I care about. What if they turn their backs? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it's like I just don't want them to freak out, you know. But I mean, it's going to be so cool, man, because it's Maiden, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like it's especially over there because you know all turf. our friends in Avenged and and you know Trivium and all these other bands that did this tour were like, dude, this is what broke us over there and we do well over there especially yeah. in the uk but like this, this is this is a different level. thing yeah. yeah this is a different thing so you know we're doing like two or three nights in london and it's, there's a lot of days off so that'll be kind of cool yeah get a little, you know, little, did you get to see anything it's like well now you actually will do you get actually to see something. we yeah. actually do get to see and we try to you know we walk more i think over there than we do in the states because it's, it's so much too. fun it's easier yeah. too and it's so much fun and there's so much I always say you know about america you know like and in Europe, they might put a Starbucks next to the historical mon- uh, monument, but at least they don't tear the historical <laughs> monument down to put a Starbucks like we do in this country. So it's like you still get to see the historical monuments. There might be a Ben and Jerry's inside, yeah. but they won't tear it down. Inside the Louvre? Inside the McDonald's? Louvre. Yeah. There is a McDonald's oh, inside the no. Louvre. I've only stood on the outside it was of a it. There's a total buzzkill. You're like, there's like the, the Mona Lisa. And, and I smell it. Big Macs. Big Mac over here. Oh, the real, the real yeah. beautiful piece of art. Yeah, <laughs> at least McDonald's is good over there. Yeah, man, it is. I, I love it. Last question for you: What's your favorite song to play live? That uh, changes. Mm. Um, I'll follow you. Has been a lot of fun lately because it's, it's kind of the, on the ballad side. But um, cut the cord has just become this like monster. Huge, yeah. And the crowd, like we when we do the break where Brent says cut the cord, like we stop and the crowd sings it, and it's just this. You put that up on Instagram all the time. Yeah. Just jumping up and down. Everybody asks about that. They're like, why do you only put enemies or state of my head or cut the cord up? I'm like, well, my tech is working for most (laughs) of the shows. Like those are like his only little breaks. So I'm like, I got to get somebody else to film because Sparky's like always like Sparky. Yeah. Your boy Sparky. Sparky, He's uh, he's always working. He hates being called Sparky. (laughs) He knows. He loves it. But now he's changed. He's changed. Yeah. He's changed it. So uh, because his uh, I remember like we have friends, uh, Jen from uh six cents yeah, yeah, yeah uh she they grew up together like okay. since they were kids so she always calls him michael which is his name yeah and i've never called He's him michael. One, yeah. i'm like that's so weird that you call <laughs> him michael sparky. like your name is sparky like i don't know you by anything else so <laughs> it's it's uh it's, you guys still do the thing i've on uh, uproar it was great when you guys would do simple man you guys would go in the crowd she and brent we haven't um in a while in 2013 we did this thing where we started the show in the crowd mm. which is a lot of fun we basically you we had the kabuki up and then when it would fall we had this video um of this guy and he'd come out and he'd bang on the video screen and then we'd start enemies well what what happened was is when the lights would go out 
we would be in laundry hampers, literally. <laughs> and we, we were wearing suits at the time, which we're back to now. But like, I'm literally in like a three piece suit, sitting in a laundry hamper, <laughs> like cramped up. And so we'd roll, we'd roll them out there. And basically, when the lights are because it just looks like a laundry hamper. Yeah, Nobody's yeah, yeah. thinking anything. They see a second stage out there, but lights go out, and then you you trick them with the video. They're watching the video, and everybody's staring. And then as soon as we'd have, uh, you know, Viggy as well, so we'd have Viggy in our ears, who programs all the Motley Crew shows mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So you'd have this thing of Viggy. You go, it's time to go. You'd hear Viggy in your ears on this recording, and so we'd get out of the hampers and Sparky would hand my guitar. I'd get up on stage, and like the song would start. And it's just Barry up there. Yeah. And everyone's looking at the stage. And Barry always talks about how uncomfortable it was because it's like everyone's everyone's looking at him because like he like despises drum solos or anything. Unless like you're that. Tommy Lee, drummers do not yeah, like he does Lars, not like attention. So they don't, do that, they, don't yeah. they don't like attention at all. So he and he's he's no different. He hates attention. So he's up there and everyone's looking at him. And it, sometimes it would take l- people literally a minute and a half to figure out that we're in the center of the house, like starting the song. Mm-hmm. The people obviously in the back of the arena could see us, but like the people above us, they would literally be just. See them staring into their phones as they do now <laughs> right and like you know they, they then they finally turn around and, and notice that you're out there so that was a lot of fun but I, I don't know we may bring out the crowd thing again it was cool yeah it was just a cool little moment last year we we went out and we like was in the stands and i had to it was the stupidest thing i had to wear a head mic because <laughs> like jackson yeah control like, yeah this is like <laughs> like rhythm nation tour yeah, right so and i would be out and like i'd be in like a different section and brent would be across the arena and we'd talk to each other and like I was like, it was like three shows, and I was like, I go, I, you have to take this thing off of me. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and it was so annoying. So, yeah, it was just, it was completely stupid. So, so. but yeah, maybe we'll bring it back. We'll see. Well, that's good, man. Well, dude, uh, it's great talking to you, man. Yeah. You got to uh, find the the uh, the dude hunters pilot and get it. I out have there. it. <laughs> I have it. I think. I think maybe. I think maybe it might leak. Yeah, somehow, possibly somehow I on YouTube. <clears throat> Hi, you got to get somewhere up high or down low, but you don't like stepping. I'm talking about stairs, the devil's ledges. Well, I get it, buddy. That's why the wrestling mania came to me, Orlando Johnny's house of real long ramps, when they needed to get to the center of their ring. I got the longest god iron ramps in the country, and you can see them all in our 10,000 square foot showroom. I got short ones too, but nobody gives crap about short ramps. Come see me and let the kiddos run wild on a ramp that's a half mile if it's an inch, and just real gradual like. You'd almost think it's a platform. You can set a ball on it, won't even roll. All the finest wrestlers have walked my ramps. Big guy, tiny man, Mr. Downtown Douglas, even arrogant Dandy Blaine has put his pampered toes upon my inclines. And Timmy the Carpenter, well, he couldn't build them better. If indeed you got ramp needs, don't shout and stamp. Get down to Orlando Johnny's house at Real Long Ramps. To find out more about my ramps, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on the Jericho Network in Podcast One. Who doesn't need their very own half-mile-long ramp? Leave it to Team Tiger Awesome to figure out what's missing in everyone's life and provide it. The fake products and services they come up with are reason alone to hit subscribe on iTunes. Do the same for the newest show on the Jericho Network, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. He just released a new episode on Monday, a great interview with bass player Dave Ellison from Megadeth, also my Metal Allegiance uh, bandmate. Dave's got all kinds of stories about the band's latest album Dystopia, their new guitarist Kiko Larrero, and their upcoming tour with the Scorpions, plus they're talking about coffee and theology and bass rigs and it's a great conversation. Mick has got it uh, dialed in. Subscribe to Rock Talk and leave a rating and review at iTunes while you're there. Do the same for Talk is Jericho as well. We're working our way up to 2,000 reviews. That's my goal and we're going to get there thanks to the TIJ Army so please hit up iTunes and leave a comment and a five star rating for sure. Uh, Big, big uh, 
big ratings in the can from Conan, keeping it 100, uh, killing the town uh, with Storm and Cyrus, and also Raven Effect, building up a great rating as well. Check up all those uh, shows on the Jericho Network. Leave a comment and a five-star rating. And remember, just a reminder, Talk is Jericho participates in the Amazon Associates program, an affiliate advertising program designed to provide a means for me to earn fees by linking to Amazon.com and affiliated sites. You can link to Amazon at PodcastOne.com by clicking on the Killer Deals button at the top of the page. You can also find all my great sponsors there as well, like Saks.com. Go to SaksUnderwear.com slash Jericho and get 20% off your first underwear purchase. DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. Get 30% off the DDP Yoga app and all DDPY merch. Don't forget Geico.com. Save money on car insurance and keep on listening right now for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up on Friday, two of the newest members of the WWE Hall of Fame, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express. I haven't seen them in about 20 years since we were in Smoky Mountain Wrestling together and touring Japan together. Lots of great stories from Ricky and Robert, uh, two characters if there ever was one and they are in the WWE Hall of Fame and they are here on Talk is Jericho, the Rock and Roll Express on Friday. Thank you so much. Thanks to Zach Myers for being here. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll see you on Friday in the meantime and in between time. Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love and hugs and a big yeah boy dude bro, dude bro there's a dude bro you can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com That's podcastone.com.